You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jin Wilkin and JT English. How's it going, y'all? Hey, Kyle. Good. Hey, Jen. Hey, and guess what? JT English, Dr. JT English, has a book coming out. Yay! Congratulations. It's wild. It, it is a it is a much longer process than I thought it was going to be, but I'm, I'm actually really excited for this book. Not because it's a book. It's just, you know, you have those ideas in you and thoughts you're thinking. You're like, I just want to get this out. Uh, so I'm actually really excited. Yeah. Well, we're, I'm, I'm excited for you, man. That's a huge thing, bro. Like, it, like congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, uh, you know, they, they, uh, you know, Lifeway has been great to work with. They approached me a couple years ago now and I, I said no the first few times just because life was crazy at the village, raising young kids too. And, but then, you know, we were just, I mean, really, I think the, the book really germinates out of the three of us and our friendship and the things that we were talking about during our time at the village. And it was like, you know what, this is, this is a, the right time for me to write this. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I love actually that you, you kind of waited on it because it gave it more time to cook, to more time to solidify. And, you know, by the time I was reading the manuscript, I'm like, this is it. These are the things that we've done. This is not like speculative in nature. This is what we've done. And so it was really, really cool to see you kind of get it all into one place. Thanks, Jen. I appreciate you saying that. And it wouldn't have happened had we not been in conversations and learning from each other. And, you know, it's, I mean, you know, this is the first time I've written a book you, as soon as you're done, you realize all the things you didn't say that you wish you would have said, you know, right. but it's still, it's still where I wanted it to be. It's, it's hopefully just going to be a part of a, a much larger conversation about how to do discipleship in the local church. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about it, but we haven't even said the title. The book is called Deep Discipleship. And uh, just give us the, give us the elevator pitch, man. Like, what is this book? Why did you write it? Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately this book germinated in this idea that I had to leave the local church in order to lead in the local church. I had to go to seminary, had to do nonprofit work and uh, be in outside organizations. And I just thought to myself, you know, the Bible is really clear that God's mission goes forward through his local churches. And so what would it look like for local churches to develop a God-centered, holistic approach to what it means to create holistic disciples in the local church. And so I start off the book, and the first chapter was probably the most fun thing for me to write because it's probably the most theological, is just a God-centered vision for discipleship, that one of the greatest challenges that we're facing in the church today is a depth and a maturity and a Christ-likeness. You know, we have a lot of people who are calling themselves Christians, and, and they are. I think they, they're full of the Holy Spirit, but they haven't been invited into the depths of intimacy with the triune God. And so really, I start the whole book off by talking about, and this is where I get most excited, is the reason deep discipleship matters is because God is who he says he is, and that we're never going to stop this depth of a relationship with God. And so deep disciples are the ones who say, I don't want to know God just better when I get to heaven or the new heavens and new earth, but now, and this is available to me now in the local church. Yeah. And you know what? I think one, this book is going to be a tremendous blessing. And I know it's going to be a tremendous blessing to other churches because it was a tremendous blessing when these environments started to emerge in the church that we were serving at. And so let's talk a little bit about, you talked a little bit about your own kind of biography there with, uh, hey, personally, this was tied into your experience as well. You had to leave the church to get this. But I think one of the things that's true of the three of us and the work that we've gotten to do together is that this has not been, like Jen said, purely theoretical. We've actually seen that when you provide opportunity for disciples to go deep, they respond. They, right. they, they are hungry for that. Uh, and I think about uh, I think about what we have seen when it comes to raising the bar for people 
mm-hmm. and inviting them into deeper things, whether it's a 11-week Bible study that has homework and discussion, mm-hmm. uh, or whether it's a year-long theological immersion program, like the training program. These were environments that were really the fruit of that heartbeat, right? That's right. So, I mean, really the way I structured the book was trying to help, because here's what I want to be really clear about. If somebody's interested in reading Deep Discipleship, I don't think what we did in TBCI or what TBCI is continuing to do is some kind of a silver bullet that, you know, what you should do, you should do exactly what we did and just apply it to your local church because local churches are different sizes. They have different Mm -hmm. cultural complexities. So this is not some kind of a, here's your playbook. So I didn't want to give a playbook. I wanted to help churches ask better questions. And so let me walk through a few of those. So like one example would be is most, most churches ask, where can we make disciples? Instead of asking the better question, where should we make disciples? Or some churches ask the question, this one is, is a key one. What do disciples want? Instead of asking the better question, what do disciples need? Mm-hmm. Another question I reframed is, some churches ask, how do we maintain or keep disciples at our church? Rather than asking the better question, how do we grow disciples in our local church? And so there's a few more questions. I don't need to go through all of them, but it's really helping churches do some diagnosis of their own discipleship environments currently and ask a better question so that they can make more holistic disciples. And when you were just talking about, Kyle, is so many churches are only asking the question, how do we keep people here? How do we keep Mm -hmm. them entertained? How do we keep them satisfied? How do we keep them from not leaving? Rather than saying, how do we grow them? How do we mature them? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So tell us, JT, like who, who do you see as the audience for this book? I mean, is it just pastors? Yeah. I mean, when I was writing it, I was probably thinking primarily, not just for pastors, but really any ministry leader. You could be Mm -hmm. a group leader, a women's ministry director, a pastor, a discipleship coordinator, missions. If you're thinking about discipleship in the local church, then I think this book is for you. But at the same time, I think it's for Christians. Like I, I don't know that it's for every single person that wants to be a disciple, but if, if I wasn't a pastor, uh, this is a book that I think I'd be encouraged by and would, would maybe get, get to my pastor or get to my ministry leader, because I think this is applicable uh, to really anybody who's trying to follow the Lord uh, in a deep way. Yeah. I, uh, I was noticing how there was a uh, it was an ad that popped up in, in my feed, um, not for Cracker Barrel, actually, at the time. But um, there, it was an ad um, for like, hey, what Bible study are you going to do this fall? Here's a tool to help you choose it. And so then it like walked you through sort of these diagnostic questions. And then it suggested a Bible study to you. And I thought, man, I appreciate the the desire to connect people with good resources, but I question the likelihood that someone will accurately self-diagnose That's right. what, where they need to start. And so um, you're giving a different kind of diagnostic through this. Um, mm-hmm. You're giving, and, and I think, um, you know, when I asked who, who's the audience, as someone who's been for most of my time in ministry in a lay capacity and leadership in the church, um, man, I didn't have a clue. And I did feel like um, I have this responsibility, but I'm not sure, can I tell people what they need? Like, don't I have to ask them what they need? So, um, so I love that you're, you're shifting that idea and saying, no, no, actually, like, if you're a leader, it's your job to lead in this way by showing people, hey, this is, this is a good um, process forward. Yeah. And that's the really a great danger in a book like this or really any ministry philosophy is is misdiagnosing something. I actually opened the book talking about misdiagnosis and how my wife was at one point misdiagnosed with what we thought was cancer, but ended up being something else. But if you misdiagnose where you are uh, medically or where your church is in a philosophy of ministry, you will mistreat uh, 
the problem. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, evangelicals have been told you're too deep. You need to go shallower. You're too uh, you know, deep. You need to go have breadth and go wide. And I think that's a misdiagnosis. And Kyle, you've already mentioned this briefly, but we need to, rather than lowering the bar for people, we need to raise the bar for people. And I think we're going to have both depth and breadth. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what and that's what we've seen in terms of some of the leadership we've gotten to do in these deeper waters is that, for example, I've told this story many times, but w- what has become one of the more evangelistic environments at Mosaic Church? Men and women's Bible study. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us at all, because as disciples are being formed in accordance with the word, they want to pull other people into what God is doing in transforming them through his word. Uh, and so it's really cool to see you're right, JT, that it's not just deep discipleship is not opposed to the gospel going widely. No. At all. Deep discipleship is going to lead towards that kind of gospel going wide in a way that is healthy, sustainable, and is forming people not into the image of what we want them to be, but in the image of what Christ has called us to be. You know, one of the things that I talk about towards the end of the book is that too many churches have adopted an either or philosophy of ministry rather than a both and. And that can happen in a number of categories. Either we're going to be a community, like home groups driven church, or a education driven church. And that that is giving us an either or answer to a both and question. We need to be in community and learning. So why not adopt a more holistic approach? Or another one is we can have either we're a sending church or we're a training church. Yeah. And why not be a both and where we're going to send people and we're going to train people. Which would make you a, I don't know, great commission church, maybe? Something like that. (laughs) I think so. I think so. I think he said it best. Um, Uh, Well, uh, you know, it's interesting because the, you've said this, but, um, and I know this is where you want us to talk because you're very, uh, you you were reluctant for us to just talk about your book, but we are really proud of it, man. And mm-hmm. we want to celebrate with you. It's a good thing. And it's a, here's the deal. You could stand by it because it's a, it's, it's a good book. So like, Thanks, praise the Lord for that. And it's going to bless a lot of churches, but it does tie into what we talked about in the teaser episode, which has been kind of more of a banner headline for our collaboration together, which is training the church. Yeah. Um, and we, we've mentioned this in the teaser episode that, you know, knowing faith is migrated to be a resource of training the church and that that really functions as a headline for some of the collaboration we're doing on these issues of deep discipleship and helping churches catch a vision um, and ask some questions on how they can really put in front of their people something that uh, is uh, focused on Bible literacy and on adult meaningful adult education in their church and theological equipping. Um, and so I, I'd love for, it'd be fun to talk a little bit about what that has meant as we've collaborated with other churches, because we've run one cohort now and we're just about to kick off a second cohort through training the church. And it's been fun to see, like you said, JT, the goal isn't to bring other churches in and for us to download, here's what we did, you guys go do this thing. But it's to kind of collaboratively encourage and sharpen one another as we think about forming disciples, right? I mean, I'm capturing that. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, you know, our our listeners on Knowing Faith get to see us do theology in community, but training the church has really become a place where we're doing philosophy of ministry in community, where we're talking about, okay, what are you seeing at your church that's in Indianapolis? And what are the problems that you're facing? Or what are you seeing at your church in uh, Tallahassee? And how can we come alongside you? And I've got to be honest, I I think it's probably speaking for you guys too, is in our first cohort, we had, I forget, it was eight, nine churches, about 25, 30 people total. 
And I learned a ton from the problems that they were facing. Again, it's not just us saying, hey, here's the playbook, go run it. This is the way to do it. It's really a matter of, okay, if God is who he says he is, if Christ is calling us to be who we think he's calling us to be as deep, maturing disciples who are walking in maturity in Christ, how do we all do that collectively in the local church? What are the things that all churches should share in common? And then also, what are the things that might be unique contextually to different contexts? Yeah, absolutely. I remember I remember our first meeting together with this uh, cohort. So Train the Church is running these cohorts of uh, uh, leaders from other churches around the country coming together to do some of what deep discipleship talks about, asking good questions around philosophy of ministry and discipleship formation. And uh, one of the people from the church in Tallahassee, um, uh, they, uh, we were talking to them about different environments they have in the life of their church and how they could create greater overlap. And they suggested, well, you know, in our Bible study, uh, it, one of the things we could do is include family discipleship prompts in our Bible study curriculum so that they would then learn, you know, the student is learning uh, both through the discussion and the, the homework, and then they're learning from the teacher, but then they're going out and now they're teaching it to their kids or they're teaching it to a neighbor. And I, that was one of the situations where I was like, that's a great idea. I'm taking that idea right now. And mm-hmm. we've implemented it for our fall Bible study. So it's just a great, uh, I think a lot of times churches feel stuck, but they don't feel like they have anybody to talk to you about something like this. Yeah, the same way like theology and discipleship, we're never supposed to do it as lone rangers. The same thing should be true when we're thinking about philosophies of ministries. Jen talks about it regularly that we're not really doing much new or retrieving something old, something that's been recently forgotten. But then to do that with each other and to be shaped by each other has been really fun. So like you said, Kyle, we've done one cohort. We're coming up on our second here uh, in, you know, here, I guess now mid-September. And uh, we've got some more, some great churches involved. And so I'm, I'm just thrilled about what God's doing. Again, not just for those churches, but among all of us as leaders in the local church. Yeah. It really was to like a range of different kinds of churches mm-hmm. and, and even like some of them and they, they would start talking about what their church was like. And I would get kind of judgy in my head, like, uh, well, you know, <laughs> this is right. really going to open your eyes. Not really, <laughs> but like, that's kind of, you're thinking, oh, well, you know, there's going to be some bombs dropped. And then we, you get into it and you're like, man, I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I was learning. I think we were all learning at the same time that we were um, talking about what we had done, thinking about what we might do by hearing what other people had to say. So and, and you start to realize, man, I don't, I don't get out much. Like that's yeah. one of the things with, with local church ministry is you can get so head down mm-hmm. that, that you forget to keep um, asking what other people are doing, or you don't have a mechanism for finding out. And so, you know, maybe you won't ever have a chance to do a cohort like this, but it is important, I think, for local church leaders to be asking, who might I be networking with? Both people who are in churches that are like mine and then people who are in churches that are not like mine at all so that I can be thinking creatively about how to implement um, good philosophy of ministry. The CSB Life Council Bible provides biblical counsel and practical wisdom for pastors, ministry leaders, counselors, parents, couples, and any individual seeking practical wisdom through the application of God's Word. It includes more than 150 full-length articles on a wide range of topics and tough issues from respected Christian counselors and scholars. Visit CSBLifeCouncilBible.com to get your copy today. Visit CSBLifeCouncilBible.com to get your copy today. We live in a possession and money obsessed culture, but what does the Bible say about generosity? 
In his new book, A Short Guide to Gospel Generosity, author Nathan Harris shows us that the answer to our obsession with possessions is turning to the gospel, because only in the gospel can we find the type of life transformation that enables us to turn our focus from ourselves and back to others, to give generously, and to follow in the way of Christ. To learn more about the book, visit GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. That's GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. Yeah, and, you know, I want to pan out, if I can, for a moment, because, so, you know, Deep Discipleship, the book, Training the Church, these cohorts, but, like, why Deep Discipleship now? Right. Because it, 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 if you're if you have spent any time listening to people pontificate about the future of the church right now, there's a lot uh, of it happening. Yeah, <laughs> it is a every everybody turns out was a prophet, uh, and uh, everybody is giving With their prophet or a ph. <laughs> well, uh, I thought of an inappropriate joke. I'm not going <laughs> to. Uh, but there's definitely a a real. I don't even want to call it navel gazing. There's definitely a futurism that's happening right now with the church. You know, what's it going to be? Are we ever going to, is the church ever going to be able to gather again? Or, you know, we should just go to totally decentralized and have nothing, but, you know, uh, you know, we need to get out of the building. The church was never in a building. I mean, all of this kind of rhetoric. And there's always with that stuff, there's a grain of truth. It's like, yes, the church is not a building. Uh, that is true. It is the people of God, uh, but the church gathers. And so, why deep discipleship right now? Isn't this the time to be talking not about like, let's get together and go deep. Isn't this the time to leave all that stuff behind and just go out there and just run into the wind and say, let's go, let's bring the energy of the gospel. We can't get together. Why would we, why would we, why would we focus on this right now? That's such a funny question, Kyle, because do you know what day my manuscript was due? Tell me. March 1st. So I turn in this book on a, you know, holistic, sustainable philosophy of ministry in the local church and then kaboom. Right. And I've got to be honest with you. I had those moments where it's like, you know, because when you're in the middle of a pandemic, you kind of are thinking crazy thoughts. You're like, is this even going to be relevant anymore? Is this going to be helpful for churches? Have I just written a book that I, I finished three weeks ago, but is already outdated by 10 years? You know, I, I had those thoughts, honestly. But the, the, the further I get away from those first few weeks of the pandemic, I am actually more convinced this book might be more important post-pandemic than I thought it was before the pandemic. I really hope that doesn't sound opportunistic because, again, I wrote this book and believe these things well before all of this. But again, I think these are things that the church needs to retrieve, not forget. And yeah. if we forget some of these basic local church principles for philosophy of ministry. I think a lot of churches are going to have a lot of things they need to untether two years, five years, and 10 years from now. Because a lot of people, in my opinion, are making some really foolish decisions about what the future of the church looks like that Mm -hmm. aren't based on the doctrine of the church that are actually based on, uh, you know, kind of maybe secular principles. And so, again, I, I really am reluctant to say this like opportunistically, but I believe it in my guts that like, as churches are wondering, well, what does next spring look like? What does next mm-hmm. fall look like? These questions are essential questions for churches to be asking. Yeah, absolutely. We're heading into fall right now, you know, at, at the village and and we're, it's all going to be virtual as most people's falls are going to be. And we had a meeting last night, virtual leader training. And um, one of the ideas that has just sat with me during all of this pandemic has been the idea of what we repeat in times of ease, we will recall in times of hardship. 
Mm. And so what we're doing with um, this deep discipleship philosophy is we're giving you a means of repeating things in times of ease so that you will recall them in times of hardship. So I think to think about, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to do deep discipleship in a pandemic. Well, that's the wrong way to think about it. It, It's you do deep discipleship so that if there is hardship, you have muscle memory around how to respond to it, which doesn't mean you wouldn't implement some of these things even in the midst of a time like this, but that you build something like this because you want these resources to draw from when things are unpredictable. That's exactly right, Jen. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, it's not like we don't have a biblical example of this. God is actively instructing Israel while Mm -hmm. they are in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy is given to a people Mm -hmm. who are wondering after not going into the land. They are in between. Mm -hmm. They are in a wilderness time. I mean, there are people who are waking up going, I wonder, are we going to be able to make it today? A Mm -hmm. whole generation is going to pass away. And how does God use that time in the life of his people by telling them who he is, what he has done, and who he is calling them to be in the world? Mm -hmm. Um, This is, it's not like this is somehow, again, you said retrieval a minute ago, JT. This deep discipleship is not a a cult of the new. There's nothing you're going to read in deep discipleship that's going to be like, JT is the first guy in history to think this thought. Mm-hmm. He is recovering things long since forgotten uh, and retrieving them and showing you, hey, if you implement these things, this is some of the things to be mindful about and some of the questions you should ask in doing so. But it is tied into what God has been doing among his people since the formation of his people. So that's exactly right. I mean, uh, ministry is hard. Like you guys have been in ministry now for decades and plus, and like, it's hard. I mean, just candidly, I, I walked with a guy, here's kind of a, just a local church story for me. Uh, so I was announced at Storyline Fellowship uh, the week before Easter, preached my first sermon on Easter here, and a couple got saved uh, virtually. Like they tuned in for the first time because somebody shared it on Facebook. I now live nine houses from them. He was, he was diagnosed with cancer two weeks after the Lord saved him. Oh, my gosh. I baptized him three weeks ago, my first baptism here at Storyline, and he actually passed away last night. Oh, my so goodness. Like, it's a horrible trajectory. Oh. Of, but at the same time, beauty of what God's doing in the context of his local church. I, I got a text from his wife this morning just, just talking about, I don't know what we would have done had Jesus not entered our lives three months ago in the middle of this, in the middle of this pandemic. So ministry, the reason I share that is to say like, that's what your pastors are dealing with. If you're listening to this, you're, you know, your, your group's pastors, your education pastors, your preachers, they're, they're not just dealing with how to be entrepreneurial and what's the next philosophy of ministry. They're, they're ministering to broken people and broken situations. And one of the things that gets exhausting to me as a pastor is being told by kind of ministry prognosticators that I need to pivot my philosophy of ministry every 30 days, yeah. like bring in a new team and what's the future of the church going to be. And you have to redo everything. And what's your new mission? What are your new values? And again, there is some value t- to that and being willing to, to be flexible with, and there's lots of things in the life of the local church that should never change mm-hmm. period. We're not called to be entrepreneurial and we're not called to be creative. We're called to be faithful to what God has said in his word, to who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be going forward in mission. And so part of this is to say these questions and some of these principles, I believe, are rooted in a biblical doctrine of the church and doctrine of who God is, not, okay, so it's 2020. 
what's the best way to reach culture? Let's just adopt that in the church because what, you know what you're going to have to do if that's the way you do ministry, change it again next year mm-hmm. and then change it again. And you get on this, this uh, hamster wheel of exhaustion of always needing to reinvent who the church is rather than just saying, we don't have to reinvent who the church is because God has already said who we are. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that anything, anything that the church is doing that tries to keep communicating that and working that into the muscle memory of its people is valuable. Mm-hmm. When you are bringing our people in and saying, this is the story, this is the story, this is the story. Um, and I think that's part of the vision of deep discipleship is to say, listen, there's a lot of things that you could give your time to doing in your church and telling to people. There's a lot of things as a disciple you could give your attention away to. But is there anything that's going to be more valuable than Christian story, than Mm -hmm. Christian belief, and coming back to these essentials and allowing them to wash over you again and again? Um, We, uh, two years ago, I told myself the fall of 2020, we are starting our year-long theological immersion program. (laughs) This was when we launched the church. I told our elders, I said, guys, we're launching this church with Bible studies because I want our people to study the Bible. And we're launching this church with groups because I want our people to be engaged in their neighborhoods. And two years from now, we're going to launch our first one-year theological immersion program. And when this started happening in the spring, when the pandemic started, I started getting questions. Are we still going to do this? Are we still going to do this mm-hmm. program, what we call Forge program, what is at the village was known as training program? Uh, I think I texted you this question. Yeah. Are you, are like, you still going to do this? And the answer was absolutely. And we have, uh, we've got dozens of people signed up with our church and then a church we're partnering with uh, here in our, in our area to do this. We've got over 50 people that are signed up in our little area to do a year-long theological immersion program in the midst of a pandemic. Why would we do that? Because we are going to be telling them about things that, are, that weren't just true since March, but have been true since the foundation of the world. That's right. What people need right now is reorientation to that mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. That I'm not living in a different story. I'm living in the story of the Bible of what God is doing. And it gives you something to hold on to in the midst of what is a really challenging season. Absolutely. Well, I've been trying to avoid giving pandemic hot takes, but it's gone on long enough now that they don't feel hot anymore. They feel sort of warm <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so let me just give a warm take um, that's not unique to me. I think a lot of people are seeing this. I think everybody's wondering what it will look like when you know, who will come back, how many will come back when the church can gather again. And uh, I don't think we have to worry that people will come back. Uh, they will. It's that That's how the Lord has designed for the, the church to work. It happens, you know, in person. Um, and I think the question will be, what will we do with this massive opportunity for many churches, this opportunity to hit a reset button, maybe on some patterns that we felt Mm -hmm. like, ah, I mean, these are our sacred cows. We can't get rid of these. Um, So there's that potential, but then also this massive opportunity that those who come back are going to come back uh, knowing with greater awareness than they had before what they lack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we'll have this window, I believe, uh, where where we can say, hey, um, if you felt like you lacked some muscle memory during this season we just came out of, um, we're ready to build that into you because 
this will happen, something will happen again, whether it happens, this was something that's happened to the whole world, but we all go through these times of uncertainty, typically, you know, as a family unit or as an individual, you will have another season in which you feel disoriented. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I do think we'll see a window open where people will be more receptive to um, the language of deep discipleship. Um, they will more be able to self-diagnose their need than perhaps they were before. That's right. Absolutely. I think that's right. Yeah, I hope so. Well, JT, thank you for sharing a little bit about your book, man. We're just so proud of you. And honestly, I'm so excited for people to get their hands on this book. Honestly. Listen, I thought like when I'm reading the manuscript, I'm like, oh, I got to read this. I've heard JT give his presentation like <laughs> 5 million times. I'm like, I will suffer through this manuscript. You know, I'll figure out, you know, how I can best support him in this. And I was like, I texted him. I'm like, JT, this is not just useful. It is really well written. So I'm just so excited for people to, to get their hands on it because it has, I mean, it has some really memorable statements uh, that are tied to really important ideas. It's going to be Thanks. a blessing. Well, you, you know this, guys, and I appreciate your kind words. This book would literally not have happened had it not been for the partnership that we have forged and what God's done through the three of us. So you guys have been very meaningful contributors into how I think about this. So thank you. It's cool. We know you plagiarized us, but it's yeah, cool. All of friends. it. All of it. I'm gonna, <laughs> just kidding. I'll buy you some Chick-fil-A. <laughs> the, the level, the the swap meet ripoff thing we have going on in between yes. the three of us at this point, like who, who can decipher it? It's impossible to pay. Yeah. Well, listen, if you're looking for the book, you can go to deepdiscipleshipbook.com. That's where you can find some information about the book. There's even a sample chapter if you're looking for it. You'll also be able to find it wherever you buy books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all these places. Places. Uh, and if you're looking hey, can I for share something on that, Kyle, of course, you, yeah. you may have been wanting to say that, but something I'm, I think most people wouldn't look forward to this, but I am looking forward to it. If somebody pre-orders it at Deep Discipleship or anywhere else and they redeem it, we're going to do a one hour online event the day that it comes out. They're going to send it out and we can just get on and anybody who wants to ask questions about it, talk about it, we get to do that. Or if a church buys 20, then I get to do it with their with their staff. I'll, I'll get to jump on and talk to their staff about deep discipleship and some of the questions we go through in the book. That's, That's pretty awesome. cool. And, then, and everybody can find out that at deepdiscipleshipbook.com. That's right. Also, Perfect. if you've been looking for a, a way to troll JT on an open mic, now this that, is going to be there for you. Perfect chance. It's going to be revenge. I'm, I'm expecting the two of you to be on there. <laughs> Low hanging fruit. Um, if you're if you're interested in training the church, which is a little bit of what we talked about, which is where we do this with other churches, we get to take some of the ideas of deep discipleship and then work with church leaders, uh, both lay leaders and professional leaders in the life of local churches across the country. You can go to trainingthechurch.com. If you're looking to find Knowing Faith online, you can find us on social media, Knowing Faith Podcast. In our next episode, we're going to do uh, some time deep diving into Genesis 1-2 with Nancy Guthrie. So we hope that you'll stick around and enjoy that discussion. Grace and peace. <laughs>